So in this episode, uh, this one's kind of a near and dear to your heart type of episode where we're about to introduce a topic that, uh, well, obviously every topic we talk about in here is pretty close to <laughs> Hunter and Chris's heart, but I think this one today is really going to draw out either some real good back and forth banter between the two of them, Ben and I getting to play the Everman, which technically we are anyway. So I said we're just going to kick it off and I'm going to throw it straight to Hunter and and let you kind of introduce, you know, just exactly what we're talking about today. Yeah. So today what we wanted to do is we wanted to talk about our competitor program, uh, what it is, why we do it, how it came about, all that type of stuff. So the way the way things work at our gym is we have our, our class uh, program, which the majority of people do. And then we have a, a competitor program, which is geared for people that want to compete in CrossFit, whether it's for local competitions or uh, compete, you know, for the open, uh, try to qualify for regionals all that type of stuff. So uh, there are two separate programs that, that run independently of each other. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what we want to talk about today. So first, I just wanted to kind of give a little background of how we got got to that point. Um, when I started CrossFit in, in uh, 2010, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I just kind of went, went and did the class for a while. And uh, then I found out that you could compete at it. And I was coming off of baseball and I really love baseball and competing at that. And I'd always been competing. So, uh, I immediately was like, Oh, I want to do this. So I, I started trying to do it. And the first year they had to open in 2011, I did it and I qualified for regionals and I got to regionals and, you know, I realized I had a lot of holes. Uh, I needed to work on my strength a lot. I needed to work on my skills a lot. So I started, uh, kind of doing my own type program, uh, to work on the stuff I needed to work on, you know, doing a lot of research online, uh, looking up the OPT Big Dog blog, looking up Catalyst uh, weightlifting cycles, stuff like that, doing a lot of strength research and putting together my own program and and did that for a couple years. Uh, continued to qualify for regionals through that. Started picking up a few guys who would train with me and, uh, you, you, know, you know, making a lot of mistakes but learning from them. Uh, so we did that. Uh, once we opened up the new gym, uh, I, I hired uh, a uh, – coach from uh, brute strength uh and they coached me for two years and it was really great i had a lot of fun doing that i learned a lot from them um but then i decided uh chris and i decided last year that hey we kind of want to develop this competitor program uh we'd we'd already been doing some stuff for the competitors but they kind of just been doing what what uh what i have been doing for the most part uh so we decided hey we want to kind of develop our own competitor program based off of what we have learned in the past you know i've been to regionals four times and i'd seen you know what a lot of those guys do chris has done a ton of research he knows a lot of what of what it takes to get to the top so we decided to combine our brains and come up with a program that we thought would give us the best uh chance to succeed uh in the in the crossfit competition sphere so we started that last year uh did it the whole year and ended up qualifying a team for regionals uh, the first time we tried. So we were really, really excited about that. So that's what, you know, Chris and I are really passionate about it. We love watching people get better um, at the sport of CrossFit. And we love seeing them go to local competitions and dominating the podium. We love going to, you know, big competitions like the Pensacola Beach Brawl. And then we love seeing people get better every year uh, through the Open. So that's kind of how we got to where we are uh, today. Um, so, you know, I think what we want to do now is kind of break down how we program, you know, what do we, uh, what do we do? What makes us decide what we want to do? Uh, Chris, you want to, you want to give a little bit of a backstory on, on how you got to where you are as far as, um, you know, program for competitors. Yeah, sure. Um, I remember, uh, uh, when I, when I first started, uh, first started doing CrossFit and, um, I was uh when I first started doing it, I was a GA strength coach at uh at Bellhaven where uh, where I uh, where I played ball and they uh, uh I wasn't able to get into the gym that day so I was just gonna do the gonna do the the workout for the of the day at uh at uh, at our gym there at the school and I texted the coach and told him uh told him what my score was and he texted back he's like yeah that's, that's pretty good man you should start uh working on uh, working on training for the games I'm like the what yeah. I had no idea and then I found out you could actually do this stuff competitively and um started uh 
started really uh, looking uh, looking at that and um, started doing stuff like I followed uh, followed blogs for a little while. Different um, there's uh, you know other websites out there that that post up daily daily training for people who want to be competitive in the sport. And then I had a uh, had a personal coach for about two and a half years that I saw a lot of good a lot of good gains from. And then um, and then yeah, like you said, last year we decided to. Um, embark on this adventure ourselves and kind of create our own brand and um, and well, we and I was able to kind of take a lot of the things that I had learned from these blogs and these coaches that I had had and um, and talking to other people in the uh, in the industry and we were able to uh, put some stuff together and it's been a uh, been working really good really good so far we're still uh, we're still though very very young in terms of just the uh just the sport itself and how you're supposed to train for it and we are literally you know kind of writing the book on on how on how to do things so a lot of it is still uh is still trial and error and i think that's what makes it what makes it so much fun and also so frustrating to uh to try to program yeah so so the the first thing that we want to look at when we're we're figuring out what we want to do is what are the attributes of a person who is at the level we're trying to get to? So what I came up with uh, this offseason was a three, three-tiered uh, attribute list. So level three would be if you got 250th, top 250th in, in your region in the open. So basically my premise is if an open workout came down to this one particular movement, what level would you need to be at to get in the top 250? That would be a level three. Level two on that movement would be top 100 in the open. So if you wanted to get top 100 uh, in the open on a workout that came down to this particular movement, where would you need to be on that? And then level one would be a CrossFit Games level. So if you were at uh, level one on, say, ring muscle-ups and the workout was 30 ring muscle-ups for time, you can perform on par with you know a games athlete or an average games athlete so what i did was i broke it down into three categories gymnastics weightlifting and conditioning and you know this is you know obviously crossfit is a very uh it's a moving target everything's always changing the tests are always changing but you can look at the attributes of the top athletes and kind of see where you know they are or the attributes of somebody who is at a certain level, see what they can do, and you can kind of develop, you know, what kind of attributes do these guys have. So, for example, if you look at like a snatch, I'd say uh, a 275 snatch for guys uh, is a games level snatch. If and, and if you go back and look at the one rep max snatch, I think 275 was somewhere around in the, in the middle of the pack for the game. So that would be a level one on the snatch. Uh, a level two would be region top hundred. I would say 250 for guys, you're 165 for girls. So if you can hit a 250 snatch, if if that if it comes up as a max snatch in the open, you should be able to finish around top 100 in the open. And then a level three would be around 225 snatch. So if you can hit a 225 snatch, 150 for girls, uh, then you would finish somewhere around top 250 in the region. Now, obviously, it's not perfect, but it's close. It kind of gives us something to shoot for. And I broke that down in all types of different things, ring muscle-ups, you know, chest bar pull-ups, toes to the bar, snatch, clean and jerk, and then the power lifts, back squat, front squat. And then for the conditioning, I just used the, a mile run and 2K row uh, as monostructural conditioning. So my, my premise would be if you want to qualify for the games, you need to be – level one on most things and nothing worse than level two on anything so if you're a level three on snatch you can only snatch 225 it doesn't matter if you have a level if you're a games caliber on everything else if you can only snatch 225 you're not going to the games because that's too big of a hole if that makes sense so kind of developing these attributes of what a crossfit games athlete is if that's your goal if your goal is just cut top 100 in the open or if the goal is top 250 so that's the very first step is saying what is the attribute to be able to compete at the level that i want to compete at once we've defined that then we can start building a program to target those specific uh holes or goals that we have in in the program does that make sense 
Yeah, so you actually you're you're starting, you're working backwards, reverse, reverse, reverse engineering. Exactly, reverse engineering. You're looking at what the what your goal is, and then you back up and determine what level you need to hit. So you got to develop this foundation of what what are the goals I'm actually trying to obtain, and that's going to dictate the numbers. Exactly, which actually forces you to be very honest about the type of athlete that you are from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So you you guys decide to develop this culture inside of your own CrossFit box. One question I have, is this something that happens generally across all of uh, CrossFit where the guys that are running the box decide to dive into this specific sort of mathematical approach to programming, or is this unique to the CrossFit culture, uh, unique to the Coyote culture? Say, say that again, I'm sorry. So guys that say, all right, we're going to develop this, we're going to write the book. I mean, it just sounds like a pretty unique initiative for, for guys to take on. I'm just curious if if there's someone out there listening if they they take this expectation into their local crossfit box that the guys at the top are going to be thinking in this grade of detail about competition programming is that unique to to coyote or is this something that goes across the board yeah. go ahead chris well i'm um, just like uh uh, just like in any uh, any sport, if you're going to be competitive well, competitive with something, you're only going to be as strong as your weakest link. And so, I mean, yeah, it's very natural that cro- that programming for CrossFit would take the same uh, would take the same approach, and that you have skill sets that need that uh, that need to be on a certain level to be competitive in the sport. And if you're lacking in one of those skill sets, that's where you need to be spending most of your time training. And uh, so. Yeah, I think uh, th- that's generally the, like the premise. If you ask, it, like, if you were to talk to anybody who who does program for competitors, the the one um, if you're gonna find one similarity between all of them, it's that that they are going to program for your weakness, and uh, and get that on par with everything else. Which is so frustrating, by the way, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> you want you want to hide uh, that weakness for sure. Something that I'm hearing in the way you're talking about it, Hunter, is that it takes fitness is just a very personal thing. I mean, people are they they get really emotionally involved in their fitness. And what you've done and and you guys both is you've taken those decisions out of that personal realm and you've made them about the facts. Like, I don't care how passionate you are about making the games. If you're a male, let's just get a little personal here. If you're a male and you're struggling to hit these female weights to be in the top 250, you need to adjust your goals, and we don't need to spend a lot of time picking you up off the floor emotionally about that. Let's be honest about where you are, and then on on the backside of that, we're going to provide some programming to get you a step above where you are today, and then eventually you'll get to a much better athlete than, than where you're starting. Right. Yeah. And I'm a big numbers guy. I love numbers. So I really like to look at the numbers and say, it's it. you know, if you can hit this number, you should be able to do, you know, pretty well on a workout that that's on this. If, if you're really lacking in this area, um, you know, you need to really work on that area. Um, I think back to your question about different, you know, different com- uh, competitor blog type program. I think all of them use different types of tests and retests. Um, they'll do they'll they'll come up with specific workouts that are a test and then they'll they'll work on that and try to retest on that or they'll have specific things you know I think everybody has a pretty good idea of where they need to be on 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 most things but I don't know if anybody's really laid out you know all the different movements in this way I do remember four or five years ago I remember Tommy Hackenbrook from Ute CrossFit he posted a attribute goal list for like 10 goals he wanted for his team to be able to hit and it was like only lift numbers max number of uh unbroken gymnastics reps and then like some rowing um benchmarks and he posted those for his team he said these are the minimums for if you want to be on our team for this year for the games so that's the only person i've ever seen that did that but i think every different you know program uh people that are doing competitive program they have their own types of tests and retests that they're doing but crossfit's so hard to figure out how to program because it's like I said, it's such a moving target every, every year they're changing. But, you know, I like this because it gives us an idea of, of what you, you need to be at, what attribute, what baseline attributes do people have? If you're not even close to those attributes, yeah, you need to be honest. You need to work on them. So what we do then is we, we plan out a year and, uh, we lay it out in cycles and depending on what type, type of year it is, uh, we work on different things. So Chris and I talked after the regionals this year and we felt like, you know, we needed to, improve as a whole our general overall uh strength so like we really went this summer we spent a lot of time doing a a power lifting cycle and really working on getting our legs stronger 
uh, and our shoulders stronger uh, through the squat and, and deadlift and press. And, you know, the off season is a time when you really want to focus on the strength gains. You're really trying to just maintain your conditioning because you don't ever want to go 100 percent and work on one thing and let anything else build you know, slack off because it's going to take a long time to get that back. So it's better to, you know, maintain one or two things and then really try to focus on gaining in that. So we really focused on, you know, gaining overall strength this summer, maintaining our conditioning, maintaining our, our, uh, technique, maintaining our gymnastics, but really focus on that. Um, then now, you know, it comes in the winter. Now we're transitioning more to get ready for the open. Now we're trying to maintain our strength, really trying to get our Olympic lifts up, really trying to, you know, get our gymnastics volume up, uh, ramping up the intensity on the conditioning. And then once it comes, you know, right before the open, that's, that's where we're just hammering our conditioning, really trying to build on the foundation that we've of strength and skill and technique that we've built, really ramping up the technique leading into the open to really try to be at our best, uh, condition state, uh, for the open. Yeah, basically, the the approach that we took was uh, the off season during the summer, right after uh, right after regionals and the games and all that. We uh, we cranked the intensity up really really high on um, movements that aren't that are not as complex, like back squatting, deadlifting, pressing, and stuff like that, so that we can just focus on getting really really strong at those and spent just a little bit of time on the more complex lifts like the like snatching and clean and jerk and stuff like that just so that we didn't uh completely uh completely lose uh lose technique with that and now where we where we are at this point uh we're about six or uh six seven weeks in to uh this new cycle where it's made a shift where now we're trying to maintain strength on those powerlifting numbers increase our intensity in the Olympic list because those are the kind of things you're going to see in the open. We're trying to uh, hit higher weights in those Olympic lifts since we've built up a stronger strength base with the power lifts that will carry over to the, uh, to the Olympic lifts. And now we're starting to lay the foundation for our, uh, for our conditioning. So volume of the conditioning has gone, uh, has gone way up with, um, uh, with uh, with different things, we're doing a lot more stuff. We're breathing heavy a lot more right now. And then once we get about uh, six weeks out of the open, that's when now hopefully the foundation has been laid, and now we can really start looking into things that we think might come up for competition, and we can work on getting to where we can hit those really hard whenever they come up. One thing I can detest to with this type of programming is, and let's be honest about this, if you're at a, at a below a particular level, meaning you are not shooting for regionals or shooting for the games, you can suffer from because of the the volume of training. You can just suffer from burnout inside of this sort of uh, competitor program. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, but one thing that happens is you're going looking at things in this annual cycle. You can remind yourself, okay, I have I have redlined and gone to the dark place for a long time. But that's this is just a cycle that we're in. This is going to relieve, and we're going to get back to some things that. I enjoy particularly as an athlete. We're going to get back to that bar. We're going to start picking up some heavy stuff eventually. It's just where we are right now. So it makes the annual cycle makes the year break up because I mean it's a long time to go a complete year preparing for this one yeah. week event, you know, one month event or this particular workout where you're worried about if something's going to show up. But it just puts a little a little variety into the programming. It's very very nerve wracking when a year of work comes down to five workouts. Right, yeah. that, you, that you do three or four times just to try to better yourself. Yeah. So that that's why for the, our new members in the gym, if it, if the trainers start to get a little uh, a little uptight around uh, around February, that's why. <laughs> yeah, that's not when you want to talk to me about how come I, I can't row as fast as I would like. Uh, don't bother me with that right now. My We've all got year. problems. <laughs> <laughs> right. So now here's a question I have that we haven't addressed, and I know this, so you, you're able to be really honest about where you are based on the system that you guys have produced. But let's let's say this is a well-known formula for CrossFit. I walk in, I stretch, uh, I do a little strength work, I get the wad done, then I cool down, then I go home. But after a while, people participate, and I was one of these guys for a long time. I'm participating in this, and and it's never easy, but I do start to get this feeling like, man, 
I wish there was a little bit more I could do. Like, I feel like I could be good at this if I could just do this. When do you encourage athletes to take that step from what we call the front board uh, to the competition programming? Is there a particular marker that you're looking for in athletes? Or Can I take this? Yeah. So uh, the big thing that I try to do is I try when somebody, you know, asks me, you know, should I be doing the competitor program? The first thing I ask is like, do you want to compete in CrossFit? And if the answer is no, I tell them no, because it's that easy. It's that easy, and um, if uh, because that's really, I think the the big misconception is is people see uh, see the guys and girls doing the uh, doing the competition program, and they are, uh, you know, that they're obviously they're they're in a, they're in great shape, and they're back there. They're moving uh, they're moving really heavy weights, and they're moving really really fast, and uh, that and it. A lot of times, if you really peel back the layers, it really comes down to, I want to look like that person. And if that's your goal, well, I mean, we can definitely do that without putting you into a competitor program. We have other programs that, like, if somebody just wants more to do outside the class, we can do that. But I try to tell people, like, that is for people who want to be competitive in CrossFit. You know, they they want to go to competitions and they want to win. If you go into it strictly by thinking, if I do more, I'm going to burn more calories and I'm going to look better, you're going to burn out and you're going to quit eventually because it is a lot. It's a very it difficult is. way to make that, that goal happen <laughs> to get involved right. with the competition. <laughs> How about you, Hunter? What yeah. markers do you look for? Yeah, that that that's the same thing I would say is why. Why do you want to do it? You know, if you just want to do it because everybody else is doing it, you need to look, you need to be honest. Like, look, this is two hours of work a day, most days, six days a week. Like, that's a big investment. We're spending a lot of time working on skills. Um, We're spending a lot of time working on mobility, stretching. You need to focus on stuff outside of the gym. You need to focus on getting enough sleep. You need to focus on your recovery. If you're at a point in your life where stress level at work is high, you only have an hour a day to, to, you know, dedicate to the gym and uh, you're, you're not really, you don't really have your diet on point. You're going to crash and burn if you try to do it. It's like, if, if you want to qualify for regionals or if you want to compete at a high level um, at a competition, yeah, that's great. We would love to help you out. But if, like Chris was saying, if your goal is to look like, like the competitors do, you need to take into account these guys are on point with their diet. They're tracking their – I mean, these there, there's a guy in the back that has almost 1,000 straight days logged on as MyFitnessPal. I mean, they are – working on they're getting massages consistently they're going to chiropractor they're doing a lot of stuff outside the gym to enable them to do that their their lives their work schedule enables them to be able to do that it's a big commitment to be able to compete at a high level in crossfit so you need to really sit down and be honest with am i willing to put this uh amount of work and time into doing this um hobby is what it is because nobody's yeah. getting paid for it i mean you're yeah you know nobody is 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 rich froning around here and you know we're not getting paid money to do this so it, we're doing it for fun because we love to compete at it but it like chris said if if your goal is to look like those guys go back and listen to our last episode work on your nutrition you know that that's what's going to yeah. help your body composition more than anything and and yeah we can help you we also have a couple other programs we have a fitness program which is geared to just people who want to get some extra cardio and that's three days a week of 20 to 30 minutes of extra work and we have a, a strength program that's three days a week of 30 minutes of extra strength you if you want to you know work on one of those two things we can you can do that and that might help you reach your body composition goals but you know, you know, competing in the sport of CrossFit is completely different than CrossFit the class. It's two completely different goals, and you re, you need to really know why you want to do it and have that firmly in your mind because it's it's going to be hard. Yeah, it's, there's there's no no doubt about it. It's a it's it's yeah. a big step. I mean, it's like as far as the toll it takes you know it takes on your body. You know, I, I tell people you know the big difference between you know doing CrossFit as a as a fitness program and doing CrossFit competitively is about the same thing as taking a kickboxing class and deciding to be a professional kickboxer. Yeah, it's a, it's a big leap. I will say from my perspective, I've been back there for, in our particular box for about a year now. And it's interesting to hear you guys talk about it. I've got a lot different motivations, but it all kind of comes down to the same thing. My level of competition is how, how far can I push this? You know, what level can I obtain? And it also, 
gives me a much larger source of accountability and there's a, a lot of camaraderie there i mean there's something about being able to work out with people who are at the top level that are around you and just to be able to share space with those sort of athletes because it calls something out in you to be able to answer for me personally i just have some big questions every day when i go in there what kind of man what kind of athlete can i be today and seeing you guys push the way that you push and being a part of that which i'm kind of getting towards maybe the last part of our discussion about the competition programming there's just a particular environment that's been set inside of our box what it means uh, to be back there it's not elitist i think we need to no, say that no I, th- that's what i was wanting to get i do not want to give out this vibe that uh that we that we are here and other and anybody doing the classes here certainly that's not. one hand higher than the other for those of you who are listening yes but, uh, um for everyone yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so uh what um it but it, it just it comes down to what you want out of it you know our uh you know like i said our program is very specific for competitors not necessarily to making you uh uh making you happier and healthier because i think if you look at a lot of our competitors we don't really like having to uh having to go get massages and go to chiropractic because we have to but i mean it is it's the sport that we have chosen so we i just want people to understand if you want to be a competitor that's great but make sure that you are intrinsically motivated by it. it is something it is something inside of you that is saying, you know, I want to be a competitor. I want to go see if I can do this strictly because I have something that I want to prove to myself. If it is, if it's some kind of outside influence motivating you to go do it, then you're not going to last. I mean, that's just the way, the way it is. It is, it is too much of a time commitment and it is just really, really difficult. There are these statements that you guys introduce people to when they walk into Coyote, and and one of them is this, that you're only competing against yourself. Stop looking at the other people. And that's something that I've taken to heart when I step back and I'm part of this uh, competitor programming. It would be very easy to be uh, pretty downcast every day, uh, especially when, when I'm the lowest guy on the totem pole. But I have to remind myself often, I'm only competing against myself. So what, what at the beginning of the cycle that I determine, and when you guys are putting in those workouts that are measurables, uh, I thought, I don't ever want to hurt that way in that workout again. And at the end of that cycle, we do the workout again, and it was a lot easier. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's some of these basic fundamental things that you can't just throw out. You can't jump into competitor programming inside of any CrossFit box because a, one of your buddies is back there and you want to spend more time with them. <laughs> that's just a, yeah. that's a really painful right. way to spend time together. Uh, so let's talk, let's get this out just a little bit because I think you're right. If we're not careful, it can come across as like, well, that's where the elite people are. This is where the average customer base member is here. How do you guys make sure to set an environment that doesn't come across that way? Uh, you know, I think it's just, you know, being having not having it as two separate groups you know not being like oh these guys stay in the back on their own and they do their own thing and they don't talk to anybody we try to 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 get everybody to intermingle as much as possible we try to have the competitors do the class workouts a lot um trying to stay one community um but you know it's just two different groups of people with two different goals that's all it is like no one is not better than the other and you know you know competing is it nobody's going to be competing in crossfit forever you know, you're going to get tired. You're going to get burnt out. Uh, there might be cycles when you compete. There might be cycles when you, you just, you, you just, you know, do, you want to stay fit. You know, you might get tired of things hurting all the time, waking up sore all the time, your elbow hurts and your knee hurts and all that type of stuff. And you, you might want to take a, take a season where you're, where you're just, you know, focusing on your fitness for fitness sake, because you want to be healthy and you might be, or there might be a season where you want to focus on, on um you know competing it it it's one is not better than the other just you just need to know going into it hey if you want to compete this is what it takes to compete at a high level um this is this is what what you need to do um if if you're not willing to do that then you don't really want to compete then focus on your fitness focus on your your diet focus on on all that type of stuff live live a healthy life uh but i think the biggest thing is you know not having not having um clicks you know it's you know we're we're really anti-click we're really you know we're one big family um 
that that we all want the same thing at the end is to be, have a healthy and fun life. And some people have fun competing, and some people have fun uh, doing fitness for for the fun sake, you know. Yeah, Chris, I know you've been a part of a lot of these moments where, and I, I love when this happens, when something's going on in a in a class that you are coaching up front. And there's a person that's approaching a PR. We all start talking about PR pants and, and the competitors there in the back stop what they're doing and circle around. I think one of the one of the main things that you guys have done is there's this crossover celebration of victories. Yeah. No matter what your goals are, people are going to circle around. This is a part of the CrossFit culture in, in general. Uh, but somebody's up there about to get their first handstand push up and then the competitors are stop what they're doing and walk up there and, you know, fist bump and high five. That's just something that you guys have been ingrained in the in the culture yeah and you know and one of the things that i love too is i'll see our competitors do this a lot especially like if we're doing some kind of uh some kind of skill work like if we're doing doing toes to bar handstand push-ups or stuff like that you know we'll have we generally have one coach uh one coach in the class and he can only watch so many people and sometimes i'll look like we're doing handstand push-ups and i'll look down the wall and then there's one of our competitors you know saying hey uh, you know, put your hands right here. Uh, you know, uh, when you set for the kip, do this. I mean, I, th- I think that's one of the one of the coolest things is seeing uh, seeing our competitors without me asking, going over to somebody in the class and just and offering their advice. And I think that is one thing that really, to me, bridges uh, helps to bridge the gap, and um, that really uh, really builds that uh, that that family and team atmosphere yeah well i want to celebrate you two guys i mean that's top down leadership right there so i'm i'm thankful i know all the guys and girls that are listening to this that are part of our particular box are really thankful for that that tone that you guys have set so uh, one of my last questions is how do you and we've discussed this just a little bit the problem how do you keep competitors hungry guys that are going through these annual cycles like what is it that you drop out there to say all right stay in this let's keep this competitive spirit i know you're you're bunged up you're having to buy advil in bulk but hang in there (laughs) how do you do that it's hard you know it it kind of goes uh in seasons depending on the time of year like right after the open everybody's super motivated everybody's ready to go i want to do better next year in the open and then you get grinding and then six seven weeks you know people I'm kind of tired. I'm hurting. You know, my 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 back's hurt. My knees hurting. Whatever. And and it it you have like Chris said, you have to be you know motivate. You have to have internal motivation. You have to have your why. Why are you doing this? That's going to keep you pushing. Because when you know when it gets to be November, December, and there's parties going on, and there's a lot of food and all that type of stuff, it's hard to really get yourself motivated to go into the gym for a two hour session every day. But if you if you have the end in mind, what you're trying to achieve, uh, you know, that's the biggest thing. And you you keep your goal, you know, have your goals like look, look, look at what you've how far you've come. Like it's really easy to get caught up in in the day to day and not realize, hey, man, my squat went up 30 pounds this year. Wow. Like that's a really that's a really good progress for for one year. Um look at how far you've come because you know it's it's easy i think it's really easy to look at other people and what they're what you, you touched on this ben what other people are doing oh man i'm just i'm never gonna be able to snatch that much well okay well you snatch 20 pounds more than you could at the beginning of the year let's let's realize how far you've come and we'll continue to progress and we're going to work on this and if you know one thing i do i always write down our our numbers at the beginning of the cycle our test numbers and then at the end of the cycle so we can kind of gauge and see how successful that cycle was on what we were trying to work on and you know somebody will you know somebody will say i I don't feel like i'm making progress i'm say well you know you squatted this and then you squatted this, you had a 25% increase in your squat or whatever, 15% increase in three months. I mean, I'd say that's incredible progress for, for one, one year. You put that together over two, three years. Hey, all of a sudden you're, you're hitting some really, really big numbers. You can't compare yourself to somebody who's been doing this for eight years. You've only been doing it for six months, you know? So really just kind of keeping in mind what you the progress you've made and looking back on that. And then also saying, all right, knowing going into the year, hey, when it gets cold outside, it's going to be harder to be motivated, but I know the open's right around the corner, so if I just keep push through and grind through these, when January comes, I'm going to be freshly motivated again. You know, Hunter, that's the uh, the second time that I've heard you talk about uh, about knowing your why. Mm-hmm. I think the I think the the millions of listeners that we have would love to know what is what is your why 
<laughs> what, serious what, question. What is, couched in some sarcasm. I'm I'm serious though. Like, what is it that get that uh, that makes your head pop off the pillow every morning and want to come in and throw down hard every day after you have those egg whites? Yeah. What's that breakfast doing? I don't have egg whites anymore. What? I had to cut those out. What? He's, he's only yolks now. No, we can talk about that another hence, time. That's uh, why he doesn't want his secrets out there. That's what it is. So what's your why? Uh, yeah, so mine has changed. Uh, when I first started, it was selfish reasons. I wanted to compete. I wanted to to be successful. I wanted to be known as a good CrossFit athlete, just like I, I had wanted to do that in baseball. Um, and once you know, I didn't achieve the, you know, I wanted to go to the games and I didn't achieve the goals that I wanted to. And I was, I was really run down and depressed about it. And I, I started having to really think about why am I doing this? Why do I want to put this time and effort? And now that's changed completely. I go in there and, and want to push myself because I want to set a good example for everybody else. I want people, the competitors to be able to achieve what they want to achieve. I want, if they want to go to regionals, I want to do everything I can to help them go to regionals. And so I want to lead from the front. If I'm putting a hard workout on the, on the, the, the website that we got to do that week, I need to be in there doing it. I need to be in there busting my butt. Cause if I'm, if I put something down and I don't do it or I, I have, you know, halfway do it, what's going to, why is anybody else going to want to go in there and do it? So that's what I want to do. I want to help other people achieve whatever goals they want to achieve. If they want to go to regionals, if they want to go to the games, I want them to be, to be able to do that. If they want to get on a podium in a local competition, I want them to be able to do that. But that's what motivates me more than anything is helping other people get to where, where they want to be. And, you know, you know, we sent a team last year to, to regionals and that's the most fun I've ever had competing and getting to be able to see my brother and my sister and, and Gab and Nate get to get to get out there and compete on the floor at regionals after seeing how much how many hours and years they've put into it. That was more satisfying for me to be able to see them get to experience that than it ever was for me going out there on my on the floor on my own. So that's what I want to see. I want these people to put the work in and I want them to be able to achieve whatever they want to achieve. And I want to be able to, you know, do everything I can to do that, but mostly it's by leading, leading by example. I see that, man. Even down to the kids' classes, you know, taking those kids to those competitions. I've, I've really seen that joy kind of injected into your your CrossFit lifestyle when the focus became less about you and more about the people that were around you. Yeah, you know? definitely. Not to say that you're you're doing bad yourself. So let me. Can I return the question to you, Chris? You yeah. ask Hunter his why. What's your why these days? You know, my why is just a it's a daily battle against complacency and the people that are the people that come to us in the gym looking they're they're looking for help they're looking to make a change because somewhere down the line they became complacent they decided that I do not need to take care of myself as much because of because of whatever reason and it is it's my opportunity every day to basically look look a challenge in the face and give it my absolute best effort and that is that is kind of my um my central focus with the way that I with the way that I coach uh, with the way that I coach my clients is that I want them to perceive every day as a challenge and to not be scared of it to not so much worry about the number next to their name on the board but more just the but more just the the effort that went into that number, okay? Because I know that um, uh, you gave me a, you gave me a verse uh, right before the open. It was from uh, Romans uh, Romans three four, I believe, um, talking about how we take joy in our suffering because suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And before every uh, before every open workout, I wrote those four words, uh, wrote those four words down on the floor, so that when things got really, really bad in the heat of that, uh, that in the heat of that workout, I could look down at the floor, I could see those four words, and remind myself why I'm doing this, why I'm choosing to come in and suffer when I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get, nobody's gonna come in and drop a paycheck for me, you know, for suffering during this workout, but it's because. Because I want to, I want to suffer because it's going to continue to grow me, and as long as I'm growing, I do have hope. 
Man, you know what's fascinating to me listening to both of you guys being an athlete in your box both of those things has completely transformed the way that I approach my life and why wouldn't you be a part of something like this where you can take both those sides of being motivated and put it all make it all internal it just completely raises your your approach to life your joy in life your experience in life and uh, man you've you've passed that along to so many people me included I, I do not want this opportunity to pass without thanking you for that uh, just being a tone setter in that way uh, of saying can I face the challenge in fact I just mentioned that earlier on in the episode so it's really it's really taken taken root there so it's not just about making sure that you can go to the games uh, although there is a large segment of our listeners that are probably looking to do that it's about other things as well so man what a great conversation around what it means to go that next level of CrossFit uh yeah I wanted to touch a little bit more on one thing that I think makes us uh so successful i think the biggest thing more than the program more than anything is the competitive environment that we've uh fostered for our for our athletes uh every day you go in there it's just you know light-hearted smack talk uh we got the records board set up in the back and people are always going to look at that records board and seeing what they need to do on a specific movement or a specific lift to be able to get on that record board. And it's always changing. And people are always busting their butt trying to win workouts. And we got a great group of people who are really coming in there and pushing themselves and raising the level of everybody um, that competes in there. So I think, you know, having this group of people who are willing to to bust their butt and do the best they can. And if it's a workout that's up their wheelhouse, they are going all out because they want to try to have the best score on the board. And if, if it's not in their wheelhouse, they're just doing their best to not be in last place. And so it, it, it just fosters this good competitive environment. That's really bringing the best out in everybody. So I think that really is the secret secret formula for success is getting people around you who are better than you, who are raising you up to the, to a better level. Um, who are pushing you and who are constantly uh, trying to, to bring out the best in you. So that competitive environment, I think, is is really the, the secret ingredient to success. That was a great segue. You actually uh, did that perfectly for us because what you have is that uh, person that's in front of you at a very close level that's challenging you to be a better athlete. So we're going to go into our newly named segment as of last episode. Ah! I was going to go more with the like, outside the box. <laughs> oh, uh, I'll delete what I Sounds did because like it wasn't quite as masculine. <laughs> so we're stepping outside the box, but actually they're very connected this week by saying, who are these athletes that you, we've been looking to for a while or maybe some guys in our past that have just really challenged us? We look up to them, maybe not because of their personal lives. We'll, we'll put that on the side, but just these athletes that are kind of this motivating factor for us. Uh, we're going to talk about our, our top three today. And uh, as always, we will start with Hunter, who will set us off on a great track here. Who you got as your third? Did you rank them, or there's no particular order? Uh, yeah, I ranked them. Okay, yeah. so we're gonna rank this. This top three. Sorry, number three, but you're the number three <laughs> in the list of Hunter's uh, athletes that, that he looks up to, respects. So for me, athlete looking up to that's definitely goes back to my childhood. I mean, you know, at this point, I wa- I still watch sports and everything, but I'm not like looking up to these athletes on tv or idolizing them or anything like that like i did when i was a kid so these are definitely all all athletes from my childhood um but for my number three i went with uh, a three-headed monster because i was a huge braves fan growing up and the Braves. Wait, let me just interrupt you and say you're doing it again. Hey, you have the top three. Hey, like, hey, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm making the rules here, buddy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually thought about the Braves myself, yeah. so I'm going to give you a pass on this so one. So all the Braves ever? No, no, no. Uh, you're going no, with the small Sarah. Yeah, I can yeah, tell yeah, right I'm now. Going, I mean, I can, can't pick one. I mean, it was history. Those it was a three-headed pitchers. monster. It was Maddox, Smoltz, and Glavin. I mean, like those, those were the three guys, the three pitchers in the nineties. Um, so you can't just pick Greg Maddox without Tom Glavin and John Smoltz. Those were the three pitchers that they, it was a three headed monster. And, and I watched, um, there's, I don't even want to know how many uh, Braves games I watched on TBS every single day, uh, doing the Tomahawk chop. Uh, my, my oldest memory 
uh, of watching baseball is when I was like five years old and when Sid Bream scored from second on the single to left field and Barry Bonds couldn't throw him out at home and my dad screaming out the out the door, go Braves, go Braves. You <laughs> hey, know? Who, what was the name of the heavy set guy that was like he's just a big stick? Like they, Andres Galarraga? I, no, no, no. I, I'll think of it anyway. But I, this is the first guy I saw playing baseball. I'm like, if he does – get a hit there's no way he can make it to first place you know, it's like that new era of guys that just power hitters but i don't know but yeah Leo franco because he was like 70 years old <laughs> maybe but these three guys they were you know they that was my childhood of baseball is watching them them play and, and watching them in the playoffs and they won one world series so uh greg maddox uh tom glavin john smoltz it's kind of nuts that they're all three on the exact same oh team i know man time, three man. three hall of fame pitchers just incredible and it's kind of nuts that they only won one World Series, really. Yeah. But all right, well, I guess I'll go. Uh, mine's uh, mine's kind of similar in that vein. It's childhood based, and that this guy is purely because it's just kind of a link uh, my dad and I had in terms of someone that we respected. But uh, we used to be just a huge NASCAR family. Like it was, it was what our Sundays revolved around quite a lot. Nice. And uh, so my dad and I's favorite driver was obviously Dell Jr. Because who else could you pick? And what what I grew to respect about him was like he was just a a good old boy. Like he he didn't take he took the sport seriously, but it was never so much that he wasn't willing to have a little fun or be. He was very laid back with his approach to you know his professional career and the fact that he was one of the best drivers in the world. And the older I got, just the more that I respected it. But also the same thing to go alongside of this that is my dad and I's favorite driver and it's just kind of a bond we had you know as I was growing up so Dell Jr my number three unashamed I respect it no you don't have to be ashamed of that so I'm gonna roll out and this this goes goes back to my childhood too and you guys probably know by my stature that I love basketball (laughs) I'm just built like a basketball player and uh but yeah, it was just I don't know when I was coming through you you had the the Lakers and the Celtics thing that was still going on a little bit but then it transitioned and like the Bulls show up and it's a completely different type of NBA team and uh, man, I don't know. So just watching Michael Jordan as a kid, I'm like this guy is yeah. something else, man. Changed the apparel game. Yeah, but yeah. I mean the uh, man, when he takes off to dunk from the free throw line, I mean that just it just looks superhuman. I don't even, know. Even even just a photo of it like the video is like one thing, but the fact that even the photo is can do it justice just because he's like six feet in the air yeah. from free throw line, it's yeah. nuts, man. Don't, don't give me that garbage about how he picks his feet up and it makes it look. Just don't even give he's me. He's still really high in the yeah. air. <laughs> it was ridiculous the, what this guy could do. And then he and another thing too, not just his his abilities, but this guy became known for coming through in the clutch. I mean, you, this, yeah. you want this guy in the last seconds of the game, and he was like, you remember the whole speech, give me the ball, you know. So yeah. just seeing that as a, as a teenager, as a preteen, I'm like, man, this guy's – I want to be that guy. And uh, obviously my dreams came true. So <laughs> nice. That's another podcast for another day. You got one aspect of it right. The, uh, the arrogance? The, uh, the bald head. Oh, <laughs> man. How did you not so. see that coming? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, what do you got? All right, so my uh, my number three was my first uh, favorite CrossFit athlete when uh, when the game started to uh, become popular, and that's uh, Chris Spieler. Man, I thought he was he almost made my list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just a quiet strength guy. Man, man, dude, yeah, I just I love athletes that have that that are they always seem like that they're, they're fighting an uphill battle, and um, he uh, you know he was he was definitely he was not the biggest guy out there, you know. So if a heavy barbell came out, he was going to have a really tough time. But he, uh, everybody, um, every fan of CrossFit knows who Chris Spieler is, and they love him and they respect him because of because of the effort that he gave, and um, just uh, he's such a great ambassador for the sport. You know, he never never talked trash, he never made excuses. He just went out there, did the best he could do, and let the uh, let the results fall wherever they did. Yeah, great choice. I I second that choice. Yeah. Awesome. Number two. So my number two is Michael Jordan. Uh, so Ben, ben, ben stole my uh, first my time I've ever beat Hunter in anything. <laughs> he stole my thunder on that one. I mean, Michael Jordan was really like the first, I guess, super superstar athlete um, in my life. He was just on a whole nother level. I loved his attitude. I love his just my. I loved how he would just take over the game. 
if they needed a win, he 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 was the one that that was taking the final shot. He was the one that was taking the game over. Man, the flu game. Uh, you know he has the flu. He's over there getting IV on the sideline. He looks like he's about to to die on the sideline and on, during timeouts. And then he's out there draining threes and driving to the lane and all that stuff. Uh, but my favorite story about Michael Jordan is definitely that he got cut from his high school team, and that just shows you like. You know, he 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 wasn't one of those guys that was just naturally gifted and so much better than everybody else. Naturally, he had to work at it. He put the work in, um, and then also Space Jam didn't help too. That was a great movie with him in as well. So, uh, yeah, Michael Jordan. He, I mean, he's just the epitome of of uh, incredible athlete to me. You know, honestly, I think that was a better analysis of Michael Jordan than Ben gave. If I'm just full disclosure, what's your deal today, man? Do we need to cut the mics off and just duke this out? I'll say my answer. <laughs> all right, so my uh, answer isn't childhood-based at all because he wasn't around then. But uh, my s- number two is Julian Edelman. Uh, purely, I have no idea what he's like as a person. I haven't delved that far into like just what, he's, what his personality is like. But just the way he plays is just it's nuts to me. Because like I, th- I thought Wes Welker... Like he's having a blast out there. Exactly. And the I, I thought like Wes Welker was going to be the end-all be-all for short white boys that can play uh, football really well. But that dude has changed the game. Yeah. He's, he's so freaking quick. And his hands are nuts. And he's just... I think, I think he... Uh, has just owned the position of like a slot receiver that can do, you know, whatever it takes. It's just, so I, if nothing else, just skill based. I think he's one of the best. And that's why I appreciate him. You played a little football back in the day, didn't you? A, a little bit. Interesting. Yeah. I love the fact you're taking over to football because my next guy's a football player too. And I know, man, this is going to be my matrix answer. We just, I have to admit it. But uh, for me, it's Peyton Manning. Uh, me as Peyton Manning because uh not not that we're similar in age but when I um really started watching Tennessee was when this uh, kid Will Overstreet uh, from Jackson Prep a local high school went to play for Tennessee and that's when I saw Peyton Manning and the first thing I remember about Peyton Manning is I would panic every time there was a run play because he just did not have the speed to get the ball to the (laughs) running back I'm like how is this guy playing football but then so he was one thing in college but then he gets to the nfl because he's got an arm everybody knows the man he's manning he's got an arm he gets the nfl and in my opinion this guy completely changed how nfl teams approach offense and uh, making those decisions out on the field and confusing the defenses and calling those audibles i mean this guy just revolutionized the position now there are other other types of quarterbacks that will still be good right they can beat you several different ways but this guy, it was his game plan that helped him win the day. And to see all of his teammates were for him was pretty amazing, too. I yeah, mean, he got paid so much because he was playing, or he was the offensive coordinator as well. <laughs> yeah, correct. But everybody wanted to help Peyton win. I mean, this is just kind of a, a dying thing, I believe, in professional sports where, because of a lot of different reasons, you have to pursue your own agenda. But everybody wanted to help Peyton. Right, I mean that's just how it went. But just to watch him, you never knew what was going to happen when he approached the line of scrimmage, and to see him frustrate NFL defenses was awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it's just a fun guy to watch play. I hate the yeah, that the world, era's like, over. The world like flipped upside down when he left Indianapolis, and people panicking where he was gonna go. I can I can imagine what those boardroom meetings were like, by the way, when they're sweet talking talking Peyton Manning. Yeah. Like, was, what could have been said to That was a tough to thing. Anywhere. All right, I'm gonna admit here in just the general public, whenever I change plans internally, I say the word Omaha. <laughs> yeah, you, it not internally. You say it all the time. <laughs> all right, Chris, what you got? Right, uh, Chase actually mentioned my uh my number two pick and that is Wes Welker. Um mm. and- sorry to offend you by saying Julian Paston. Oh no! Oh no! No no! T- uh, I totally agree with you. But um, yeah, J- uh, Julian is uh, had a he filled in the gaps that right. uh, that Welker uh, that Welker was missing. But what uh, like I said, my favorite athletes are guys who really had an uphill battle. And you know, you, if you know Welker's backstory, you know, no uh, no Division one offers at all coming out of high school. Even though he did absolutely everything, he goes to Texas Tech. And within, I think, like six games, he's starting as a freshman. He even uh, – Texas uh, Texas Tech's kicker got hurt. He kicked field goals one mm-hmm. game. And um, he goes uh, – he gets drafted – or gets picked up as a free agent by the by the Chargers. He can't get any reps at, uh, at practice. So what he started doing was he would lean into the huddle, hear the play call, go about 20 yards back behind where the play is being run, and he would run the play by himself you know, he, just, to, just to make sure that he was getting reps. And um, he just – 
he kept uh, he kept working hard. He found out what it was that he was good at, and that's matching up with uh, with linebackers and slower safeties and being able to make quick cuts and make those easy catches and move, and uh, keep the offense ahead of the chains. And so he uh, and it, it finally worked out for him where he got in a system that made him uh, made him a superstar. Mm-hmm. Well played, nice choice, yeah, very good choice. Yeah, so my number one, uh, always been a huge baseball fan, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, mm-hmm. I love King Griffey. Swing yeah, baseball. oh yeah, he just had the sweet swing. He was the kid. He was just this cool guy. Hit a bunch of home runs. Uh, I was huge uh, baseball card collector as a kid, and and he was my number one guy. I'd always trade for his cards. I have hundreds of his cards. His 1989 uh, uh, upper deck rookie car was my favorite card that I ever had. Um, so I love uh, Ken Griffey. I think he ended up with you know one of the top home run hitters of all time. Uh, but yeah, King Griffey Jr., the kid, definitely number one. Cut that, Chase. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, this this will probably be the Matrix answer of the whole thing. But this is a guy that wouldn't wouldn't even have crossed my mind three years ago just because of how I used to feel about him. But I started really researching just what he'd gone through, kind of a Wes Welker situation. Mm-hmm. And my number one in terms of just pure respect is Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. He's, he's he can be a prick of a guy, no doubt. And you can't play on the Patriots and not be a little bit of a mean guy, except Wes Walker, because he's the biggest sweetheart on the planet. <laughs> but uh, just like it's a very that sounded similar, like a man crush. It's a good looking dude. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like he's it's a very similar track of uh, Wes Walker's story. Like he he didn't start at um, Michigan for a while, and then when he did start, he was still it's still you know overlooked the entire time he did it. Obviously, you know, 199th pick of the draft, et cetera, et cetera. I just consistently doubted. We all know the story of Tom Brady. But um, if nothing else, it's purely just the consistency and if, like just proving that you can be the best of the best as long as you're putting in the work. And it's just for however many years he's been in the NFL now, it's, it's so obvious that he puts in the work. And it's just, if nothing else, it's pure just respect base. For, the uh, the confidence that he had to be a six-round draft pick, walk up to Robert Kraft and tell him, I am the best decision that you have ever made. And mm-hmm. as it turns out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good call <laughs> there, Tom. Uh-huh. Backed it up. Yeah. So is this uh, – how close are we to seeing – I'm grieving the end of Peyton. Uh, so how close are we seeing the end of Tom Brady? I, I don't know. He's got he, several more years. He might win MVP this year. I mean, he's just playing on a At very high level. 40. Yeah, he, that's crazy. I mean, people numbers. were predicting this was his last season rolling into this season. No, yeah, he's got, he's got more. He, years he left. will. He will have to. He he will make the decision. His body won't put, push him out. I don't think he'll he, go out. before Yeah, his he's body really he's really taking care of himself uh, health wise. He goes to bed super early. He's really on top of what he eats. And you know, he just he says, "I love one thing, and that's playing football. And I'm just going to keep doing it as long as I can. I'm going to do everything in my in my power in my life to to keep me playing. So I wouldn't put it past him." I believe him. I believe him. Yeah. All right, so are we ready for my pick? Do it. Go for the it. only guy that could probably follow something like that. A little bit of a softball answer, but let me explain why. Uh, my number one guy is Rich Froning. Okay? But not for all the reasons I think most people would start talking about Froning. My number one guy is Froning because of this. Um, he is able to be firm in who he is and his beliefs and everything that represents Rich Froning. And he's not, he's not offensive about those beliefs. He's able to maintain relationships with other guys that don't feel about things the way that he feels about things. And he, he was such a great ambassador for the sport of CrossFit in a time where it really, really needed it. People were getting behind his success. One of the most successful athletes, I would argue, known athletes uh you know so just to watch this guy be the kind of man that he is but not force that on people and to be able to exist and let's be honest sometimes the top level of crossfit can be (laughs) be a pretty difficult place uh to be if you've got some stuff that's grounding you other than crossfit so just the fact that he can um have a belief a christian belief system and operate inside of the fitness world at that level and be the guy that he is, be respected the way that he is. So that's top tier for me. The second layer uh, is the fact that this guy just consistently wins. I mean, who performs in all of these situations in this this new type of fitness in a way that that Rich Froning does? And everybody 
sees them jump over to teams and we're like, oh, it's over now. No, no way. Now there's just a lot of little fronings on a team, and they're going to find a way to win. He's so exciting to watch, to see when he gets really offended or he falls off of his plan and he gets back into it. I mean, what's better than fronting uh, on the last day of the games? Yeah, for sure. When um, when you look back at it and you start thinking about you know the rise of CrossFit, you're you're not going to be able to talk about that without talking about Rich. And um, he uh, he would have been on my list. I really I thought that that's uh, the direction that you were going to go, and I figured that you would probably be able to uh, to talk about it a lot better than me. But well, congratulations, um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I did it. You but, predicted uh, correctly. My uh, my number one uh, local boy, Walter Payton. Walter Payton, oh, nothing wow. wrong with that pick. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and just uh, another guy. I mean, you talk about somebody coming from Columbia, Mississippi, going to Jackson State, and then having to go play football in Chicago. You know, and uh, his just like I remember um, when I was in like I think seventh or eighth grade, uh, going to one of the video stores at the mall and finding this little like documentary on Walter Payton, and I watched that thing until it would not play in the VCR anymore. That explains why you so often break out into the Super Bowl shuffle. That's right. <laughs> I get it now. Uh-huh. <laughs> Walter Payton. Yeah. yeah, I don't think anybody can argue that that pick. I he mean, played with just such tenacity. I mean, you know, had just no no regard for for his well being when he ran the ball. It's yeah, amazing killer athlete. That's a great list, man. Yeah. It's uh, inspired me to think about uh, maybe we could be that athlete for someone someday. Maybe I'm on somebody's list. <laughs> <laughs> Chase, no no what, am I in your top five, Chase? Uh, yes. Yes, sir. He does your program. You, yes, coach, you make the yes. top 500, yeah. Chris, for sure. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> You're not measurable. All right, so one of my favorite parts of the episode, we talk about uh, recommends, the stuff that we're diving into, just to throw that out there, stuff that athletes that are listening to this uh, podcast can investigate in the times between episodes. What do you have for us today, Hunter? Uh, so mine is a book that I read recently. It's called uh, Talent is Overrated. Uh, Amen. Yeah. <laughs> so in this book, Chase, I've been did, saying. Chase did you write this book? <laughs> I was the co-author. <laughs> so in this book, he really dives into what makes uh, elite performers in all different categories elite and what gets them there. And uh, two specific examples he gave. One was uh, Tiger Woods. And people just think Tiger Woods is a prodigy. You know, he he's just born with it or whatever. But he talked about how, first off, his dad had really taken up golf very heavily had done a ton of research learned all the stuff about it before tiger was born and so he was teaching him at a very very young age and he was having him practice at a very young age so that's why by the age of 12 13 he was winning uh winning you know championships is because he'd already been practicing you know 10 years for 10 years like year round hours and hours and hours and then the other one was mozart people always think that mozart was just this prodigy who who is composing at a very young age and he had a very similar upbringing hit uh, mozart's dad was a composer who had spent a ton of time uh, uh you know learning about music and started teaching him at a very very young age and you know none of mozart's stuff was um, you know, groundbreaking or anything until he had already had 15 or 20 years of, of uh, composing experience. So basically what he's saying is all these people who are at the top level, they're there because they have put, you know, hours and hours of tens of thousands of hours into into this um, in this pursuit they, they uh, have. So it was a very interesting uh, book. I find it intriguing now that you mention his name that Tiger Woods did not come up in the previous portion of our conversation. Uh, this guy was man. I mean, he changed the game of golf. There's he came no, back yesterday. Did you no, see that? No, I didn't. Yeah, he uh, he shot uh, he shot sixty nine yesterday. Yeah, he shot sixty nine. Yeah. Oh uh, uh, no, uh, Tiger, Tiger Woods. I had Tiger Woods on my uh, on my what? Um, serious. a little bit no, I know. a little bit <laughs> higher so on my list. Uh, but he, so played. he was he was in consideration. Oh yeah, he was definitely in consideration. Yeah. So the recommend another book for for recommend. Chris, you have anything for us today? Yeah, I do. Uh, somebody that I've been listening to a lot lately, who is quickly becoming probably my my go to uh, my go to resource in terms of coaching in the sport of fitness, and that's Maxell Hogg with the uh, Training Think Tank. He's a guy who started out with uh, with James Fitzgerald and OPEX, and now he's uh, branched off and started his own brand. And uh, you can find him on uh, on YouTube. That's about really the only content with him that you can find. Uh, you go to uh, training think tanks youtube page and 
any video with him is just gold. I mean, you got you, you got to geek out on it a little bit, but uh, he's uh, started doing a thing now um, called uh, book reviews. I mean, this guy reads like three books a week. He's crazy, and um, that's uh, he'll uh, read a book and then he'll do these twenty minute videos where he finds his favorite uh, his favorite little quotes from the book and gives his opinion on them and stuff. It's really good. Great resource. So, hey, as always, guys, thank you for your time in the studio today. We want to wrap this episode up by saying to our listeners, please do us the huge favor of getting on there and writing a review for the podcast and spreading the word. This is a lot of great information. Only you positive know reviews. Yeah, please. only positive reviews, uh, specifically about Chase. We just need to boost his confidence a little bit after that incident in the gym that we are not going to reference this week but uh so <laughs> if you time when he puked right yeah <laughs> but if uh if you guys pretty will, big pile of puke there yeah that's right <laughs> thank you <laughs> proud of it you guys will leave that uh, positive review for us and then spread the word so that other people can have access to this information we would appreciate it very much so we'll close it out by saying say goodbye chase uh get out <laughs> <laughs>